I remember people would say to me, oh, Rifki, you had no choice but to do it that way. And I'm like, one minute, one minute. I had no choice, and we all have no choice sometimes in the struggles of life, okay, that come from the Abish, that come from God. But one thing we do have is the choice of how we're going to navigate those struggles. And if you take that away from me, you've taken everything away from me, okay? Hi, I'm Tanya, and you are listening to Season 2 of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode has two sponsors. The first sponsorship is in honor of Tzvi Daniel Ben David, in honor of his birthday. May his neshama have an aliyah. In the words of his daughter, him and our mother together should soar up to the highest places. We love them and miss them terribly. This world is not the same without them. Happy birthday to my father. Love his daughter Hannah and her six brothers. The second sponsorship is by an anonymous sponsor in honor of the wedding of Sterna Karp and Menachem Lazarov, and in honor of the Rafua Shalema, the complete healing of Chava Gutta Bas Henya Chasya. Thank you to our sponsors for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast on Patreon, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash human and holy, or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. Today's episode is the journey of chapter 26 and 27 of the Tanya, where the Alter Rebbe teaches us how to confront sadness. How should we react when overwhelming feelings of sadness or worry confront us throughout our day? How do we respond to our feelings of failure when we struggle to maintain our internal growth? Today, Rifki Brickman generously shares her story and how she has worked the wisdom of these chapters into her life and her internal world. Rifki Brickman speaking. I'm a shlucha with my husband in Seagate, New York, and we, Baruch Hashem, work together with our son-in-law and daughter here, the Tzaitlins, and with my brother and sister-in-law, the Marazovs, and we love what we're doing. Awesome. So it's a big schuss to be shluchim here. Okay, nice. So let's jump right in to what we're going to be discussing today. When I initially reached out to you, you expressed a little bit of hesitation about coming on the podcast and sharing. Because it's so connected to what you're going to discuss today, I'd love if you could share a little bit about your thought process, what was keeping you from sharing and going into that space, what ultimately led you to decide that you were going to. Yes, I was really thinking, should I do this or should I not do this? And the reason that I was thinking and really internalizing was because... When I go into my emotions and I start digging in, they could be very painful. So I wanted to make sure that if I open up this chapter and we start discussing things, that I am going to come out in a better space. 
So my goal to coming on here tonight is, I think, twofold. First of all, we're told that if we know Aleph, teach Aleph. I'm not sure that I know Aleph, but if I can share with you some of the things that I have learned and possibly someone could grow through them, then that's the Aleph that I feel that I've learned and I could teach. Nice. So that's why I'm here tonight. For me personally, it has to be goal-oriented as well, that when I do this talk, I come out stronger and I come out for myself also very goal-oriented. So when I open up these emotions, I have to be able to tell myself through the checklist, Rifki, are you looking at it, the things that you went through in life with the right glasses, so to say, are they in line with Emuna, are they in line with the things that and you know, as we go through our conversations, you know, maybe we could talk more about that. But that is for me a goal speaking here with you today and having a nice conversation that it's not just, okay, you know what, we're just going to talk about things and I'm going to end and then I get sad because maybe, you know, I spoke about some things that were painful. Mm. No, this is going to have to allow me to go back into those emotions and make sure that I'm processing them again in the way that I hopefully choose to process them in line with Tanya. Okay, nice. So in a very conscious way. Yes. Thank you. Okay. So tonight, as you said, you are going to get a little personal and you are going to delve a little bit more deeply into some of life's more challenging moments. And in doing so, hopefully teach us the olive that you've gained. I would love if you could share a little bit about what is going on in your life and how you have been navigating that. My husband was diagnosed the summer before last summer with a brain tumor that comes with a lot of intensity. He was having surgery in North Carolina, so we picked ourselves up from our shlichus, and we transported, I would say, our shlichus to North Carolina. Mm. We were there for many, many weeks. And first of all, it became very goal-oriented as well. Like I remember going to visit the doctor the first time, and he says, so Rabbi, do you have any questions? And my husband says, yes. When was the last time you put on tefillin? Oh, my gosh. And he said... I think it was since my bar mitzvah, and that was many, many, many years ago. So right there, before surgery began, my husband put on tefillin with the doctor, and we looked at each other, and we're like, okay, now we can go home. You know, our mission is accomplished. The doctor put on tefillin, Mm. but it wasn't so simple, and we were in for surgery. I say we because I feel like you do this together. So he had his surgery. And I I want to share with you something that is really very close to my heart. And I feel it's such an important lesson. My husband was diagnosed the first time when I was in my 20s, maybe 23. That's the first time he had a brain tumor. And he went through surgery when we were very young. My daughter was just four days old. I just given birth to my daughter. Yeah. And at that point, we didn't have this support like we had today. You know, today people say like, oh, there's so much social media and it could be so negative. But I just want to bring out such a positive point that the day of my husband's surgery, all my friends got together and they were splitting the Psalms, the Tilim, 
there's 30 days and each one took another day, which covered the entire Tehillim, the entire Psalms. Wow. And 29 years ago, that didn't exist. The world wasn't so connected. And I remember just making a phone call to Canada then was, you know, was expensive. And here the support was so incredible, was so awesome. The family, the friends. And I remember the day of the surgery just being so emotional that everybody is saying to Hillam and everybody's praying. And I turned to my friends and I said to them, this is so amazing. How about we show Hashem, we show God that we could say and divide the Psalms for good occasions. Mm. And I put it out to them. I said, would you agree that every time a friend has a celebration of a child's wedding, would you agree to divide the Psalms for such an occasion? And everybody was on board. Tanya, it's a year and a half. And we have divided the Tehillim so many times every day. Wow. The day of our children's wedding, we the whole class comes together and we each take a chapter. Mm-hmm. And then it went so well, I did it with my family. So every cousin's wedding, we do the same thing. It's such a gift. So here, sometimes I look back at the memories and I say like, this is goal-oriented, Rifki. Remember, it was a really difficult time. It really, really was. I don't for one moment say it wasn't. But at the same time, remember what came out of it. It's very humbling each time we, we're able to do that. It brings me back to a place that there's meaning to it. I love how you didn't just say how beautiful is it that everyone is saying to him for him now and in our time of need, but let's harness this incredible energy and say thank you for beautiful occasions. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's great. I love that a lot. And we could all do that. Hashem challenges each and every one of us. But by the same token, I want to bring out something as well. I remember what an impact my father had. He got up at my brother's bar mitzvah and he said, why do I deserve the simcha? So I think it's also important to recognize, you know, at simchas that that's a blessing. That's something that is a real schos. The Tanya actually speaks about how when you experience Hashem's blessings, the instinct that human beings have is to feel a certain sense of pride when things are going well. But in reality, it's an opportunity to be humbled because Hashem is just showering you with bracha. So the same way we say that when we have a challenge, it's just absolute pure chesed from Hashem. So to be able to also recognize that in the time of Simcha. So, yeah, and I think the word you used was so accurate. I, would, I think the word is humbled. It's just humbling to be able to recognize that. Thank you. I am curious to know what it is like in your life to hold both the difficulty and the heaviness and even just the worry in your mind and also to live with the celebration and the life and the gratitude and blessings. I think that we all do that. There are things in life that are very intense and there are things that in life that are very hard. And we all have that. You could interview every single person, every single person, and everybody will have their story. And I think that's so important. It's not unique to me and it's not unique to you. And maybe also that was the hesitation of coming on. Like everybody has a story. Everybody has. And this is what Tanya speaks. You know, when we learn Tanya, there is an Ayved, there's one that's serving Hashem, right? And there's possibly one that's not. Only Hashem, only God knows our starting points. And we all need to know that start. Like we know ourselves. 
I believe that we know ourselves and we know our starting point. Nobody else knows us that well, but we know ourselves. And the second one that knows us, or the first one is Hashem, and the second one is us. And it's so important for us to know that there's like behind the scene relationship with Hashem. You know, it's not only what everybody sees, you know. I have behind the scenes relationship with Hashem. And that relationship is the most valuable one. That relationship is is the one that, that really counts. And you say, what is it like to have both these things going on? It's very, very intense. It's really intense. One of the things that kept me is that Hashem knows that struggle. Hashem takes compassion in that struggle. Why he creates the struggle, I don't know. There is a reason, okay? But he's proud of that struggle. When Tanya tells us that it's we're all strugglers, right? That's basically what we're all. We're all strugglers. And it's how much we are growing on our own scale, on our own. And, and I feel it's very important. We all have our mission. We all have that mini or that big mission. And each one of us in our own lives, we have to know that we are growing or we have the potential to grow. And Tanya is an amazing toolbox for that. But sometimes it's just so, so, so personal. So I may go out and just smile and make as if like, you know, it's all okay. But inside there's a struggle going on. There's real emotions. Mm -hmm. There's real intensity going on, you know. And I remember people will say to me, oh, Rifki, you had no choice but to do it that way. And I'm like, one minute, one minute. I had no choice, and we all have no choice sometimes in the struggles of life, okay, that come from the Abish, that come from God. But one thing we do have is the choice of how we're going to navigate those struggles. And if you take that away from me, you've taken, you've taken everything away from me, okay, because that's the only thing that I hold on to and the only thing I do have, okay? You know, I feel like it's a steering wheel in the brain, okay? I really feel that steering wheel. And when it goes a little off left, it's like, oh my gosh, steer, 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 you know, and and hold tight because we have the toolbox to be able to do it. We just have to tap into it. We have to learn. We have to make sure that we tap into the right resources to be able to do that. We all are on this journey. I love how you said that people are like, oh, you had no choice but to rise to the occasion. And you're like, if I had no choice, then what role do I play in my life? Right. You know, what am I left with? You strip, yeah. you strip me of everything, you know? Yeah. That's so. really, really powerful. Like we don't choose our circumstances. We choose how we show up to them. Right. And we say it, we say it, we say it. It's not the first time you heard it. I'm sure I'm not going to be the last one to say it, but I need to do it. And like I said, the steering wheel gets tight. It does. <laughs> I think you brought a unique perspective though, in saying that, we know where our starting point is. So from someone looking at us externally might say, oh, she doesn't have a choice and she's just dealing the cards that she's been dealt or, you know, or maybe she isn't even doing so well. And you internally say, I know what my starting point is. And I know how much I am steering as much as I can, even if I look like I'm falling apart on the outside. And even if I look like I'm not handling it, but I know, and Hashem knows that I am an Ivid and like, I'm doing the best I can. Right. And sometimes we need to go to a third party to make sure that that's true. Like there's many times that it's hard for us to make an honest calculation about ourselves. So when they ever said to have a mentor, to have a mashpia, someone that you look up to, that is really a blessing in life because it's hard for us sometimes to be objective in ourselves. And 
yeah, if there's room for me to grow and I don't necessarily see it on myself or I need help for that, I want to know that as well. You know, I don't want to just be, oh, the, you know, this is a uh, free for all for myself to just, you know, no, this life is serious. There's work to be accomplished. But by the same token, to know that if we did accomplish, to know that as well, both are very important. To know where the starting point is, to know when we are growing, to have an objective opinion if we are kind of stuck and to see what else needs to be done in the area of having the, the right simcha, of having the right frame of mind, having the right attitude. Tanya tells us that even when it comes to tshuva, even when it comes to repentance, there's a time and place for everything. If I'm going in the middle of the day to stop what I'm doing and just start, you know, reflecting on things in life that I didn't do right, I'm going to get stuck. There's work to be done today. So that's not necessarily always coming from a good place. So the gauge to that is what's the outcome? When I am in a space and, you know, the emotions are there, right? Is it motivating me to do better or am I getting stuck and saying, "Uh uh-uh, you know, I just can't handle it. It's not for me. So there's times that it's overwhelming and there's times for that as well. But don't do it in the times of day that you really need to be productive. So that's why Mm. I'm having this conversation at very late at night. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, I no, but that is part of, of making a conscious decision of doing this today because I'll give you an example. Okay. Go for it. A hospital, a hospital, mm. right? A hospital is a place that it scares me. I don't like to be there. And I remember that I ever answered someone that the right way to look at a hospital is not a base, not a house of illness, but rather a place of healing, a base refuah, right? A house of healing. And talking here to you tonight opens up emotions. I reflect, I start thinking about the hospital and the pain and the surgery and the intensity. And it's like, Rifki, okay, are you going to dwell on that? Or are you going to dwell on the space of a house of healing. It takes a lot of work for me. When I when I'm going to end this conversation, I'm going to have to do work. It's not I know that it's not going to be, oh, you know what? This conversation is over. I have the toolbox and we all do. We have the capability of doing it, but it takes work. So, just like I said, you're opening up all these emotions and I'm in control of them. And if I'm not now, I know that I could be. So, what is it going to take to get there? I like that point about having a set time to think about difficult emotions and difficult things that we're experiencing. Our emotions definitely can be productive when we are guiding them. I love how you said, this is why we did it at night. Because at the beginning, we were speaking a little bit about your resistance, not wanting to open up that box inside of you, because it's hard to go there. And it's funny because Tanya actually says, do it at night. Exactly. Before you say Shema, or when you're saying Shema, make a Cheshman Nefesh, and that's when you really delve into those motions. So perfect timing for us. But at the same time, at the same time, they come up and we all have emotions that come up during the day. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that everyone's told a Bachar when he was saying that, you know, negative thoughts come up, what to do. Never says, replace them. I cannot fight them. I cannot fight many thoughts that come into my head. Replacing them 
is the solution. Mm. We are all working at this in our brains. Every single one of us has this challenge. It's not unique to me. It's not unique to you. Every one of us. And this is the way Hashem created us. And the comfort in that is that, you know what? No one wants to be alone. No one Mm. wants to feel lonely, you know? And to know that this is exactly the way Hashem created us. And this is exactly what he takes pleasure in. One thought at a time. One hour at a time. For me, that's a very big lesson. Just the patience and the presence of the moment now. That's a good one. Instead of fighting it, replace it. Yeah. Okay, so we opened speaking about your husband's brain tumor and your experience with that because it's so recent and something that you are still living with. I'd love if you could share how you have utilized these tools in other areas in your life as well. It could be small, daily, or maybe some other experiences that you've had. I think that at every moment we go through through things in life and I ask Hashem all the time, do not bring us to challenges. So for me, what may be something very big may be someone else very small. For someone else, you know, life, what I would call small would be big for them, you know, as a challenge. A couple of years ago, four years ago, it was right after Pesach. And we had just finished a public Seder in our Chabad, in our shul. And the next night, it was 12 o'clock at night. It was the first day of Cholamite. And we get a phone call, and the shul is on fire. Oh, my gosh. So, of course, we ran to the shul. And to see a place that you call home, a place that has just full of memories and just burning, like literally, you know, smoke coming out of everywhere and firemen everywhere. It's intense. Four years later, our shul is not rebuilt. But let me tell you, the interim, right after the fire, I would say for many, many, many months, I would go into the shul and I would literally just cry. Wow. Cry. Like, what happened here? Like, like what? And then I remember... One time my husband was in with me and he says, Rifki, let's remember the story of Rabbi Akiva and his colleagues who would visit the Temple Mount after the destruction. And Rabbi Akiva was smiling. And of course, that reaction was very strange to them. There's a destruction. What are you smiling about? We know the rest of the story that his colleagues were focusing on the destruction and he was focusing on the rebuilding. My husband says, Rifki, it's time to focus on the rebuilding. And that's also Mayach. You know, it's been a long time to have the understanding that to live with the hope, to live with the Mayach, you know, that things will happen. And the process until it happens is not a waste of time. That the process of tuning in to every time you're thinking and getting upset that how come it didn't happen yet? How come it didn't happen yet? And telling yourself again, it will happen. The amuna, the process of if it didn't happen yet, where am I supposed to be in my brain? You know, how am I supposed to be looking at this? It's a struggle. You know, it's not like, okay, a one-time fix, you know, okay, I was enlightened with the story and I was touched. 
it is going to last forever. You know, no. Tanya tells us you could have a moment of inspiration. <laughs> it's not necessarily going to last. And what are we going to do the next moment? How we navigate life until the miracles happen or until there's revealed good, right? To look back and say, the journey itself has taught me a lot. That is so powerful. The journey itself has taught me a lot. Because you know what? At the end of the day, to look back and say, I wasted my time. No, no, it can't happen. I mean, it could, but that's the choice that we make. And some moments it does happen. Some moments it's like, I'm just not strong enough. You know, some hours I'm just, I'm just not strong enough to bring myself to there. But I know that we could. And that is very empowering. We could. I love that because you're talking about knowing your starting point. And the key is, is that you're striving. That even in that challenging situation, the fact that you're looking at Hashem and you're saying, I'm going to do the best that I can to show up here as my best self, despite the circumstances or not despite because of the circumstances. So it's like, of course, you're not wasting your time. That is your moment. That is your shining moment. Like that moment right there. Nobody gets to the top of the mountain without climbing each step at a time, each step at a time. And if there's one message I think that is so important is Hashem recognizes each step, each step. So we also need to, if he's recognizing that we need to, and we will grow more when we recognize that we have taken the steps. Ultimately, what Hashem gave us and gives us, somehow it's not a burden. And again, talking to myself, I don't believe that when we speak about someone else and we look at the world and we say this person is is having a hard life. No, Abishar, do whatever you need to do to make sure that that person has a good life. When I'm reflecting on myself, I would like to tell myself that the difficulties and the challenges that I perceive to be challenges, each step that I am climbing is a step that is a step. It's a step to reaching the top. What's the top? Mashiach coming. And when we don't acknowledge the importance of our small steps and we think, oh, it's only when I make those giant leaps. Well, if your feet do not have the capacity to make those giant leaps, then you're not going to get anywhere. So it's like in valuing the tiny steps, are you able to get anywhere? Because we have this misconception that the value is in the extreme accomplishments that we can do for God, but those don't actually exist. So you have to be able to lean into the fact that that's the most you can do in order to be able to get you can call it the top of the mountain. You could call it to fulfill your mission in this world, whatever it is. So I'm going to tell you, could I disagree with you? Yeah, of course. So I'm going to tell you that that's exactly, I think, what when Tanya says that who are we to say that they're tiny steps? Who are mm. we to say that they're tiny steps? Nice. On ourselves. I'm not talking about someone else. I'm talking yeah. about on ourselves. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if we look at them at tiny steps, right, then maybe we won't be so motivated. Why look Mm. at them as tiny steps? And that will bring simcha. You know, when I look at it as a bigger step, I feel more accomplished. I'm more motivated to be besimcha. And again, it's not hopefully leading to anything but humbleness because in the right way, yeah, we're accomplishing. That's what we're here for. 
And maybe I use the word tiny steps, but is it really a tiny step? It probably isn't. Nice. It looks like a tiny step maybe to you, but if you can be aware of the fact that that is actually the greatest leap. It's a great leap. It is. Nice. That's an important rewording. I like that. Okay. What would be your words of advice to anyone in that situation where they are not seeing the value in what they feel are tiny steps and what they feel are not so significant? How can we get into that headspace where we really see the significance of our small actions? You in the hospital next to your husband while he is suffering, you when the fire burns down the shoal and you're trying to be just a little bit happier, or anyone in their lives, when they're just trying to like nudge the needle an inch forward, what would be your advice to reframe? Our evil inclination is very smart. I'd love to focus on not the evil inclination, but it is very smart. And again, when I spoke before, when I mentioned, we have to see the outcome of where our thoughts are going. If we feel that you know, we're thinking about, oh, I'm really not accomplishing and that's going to motivate us to do more. Great. But if we feel that, oh, I'm really not accomplishing, I'm not capable of doing it, then I think it's important to know where it's coming from and that we need to drop it. How to drop it? We do have the toolbox. It's not easy. It's really not easy. It's called reframing the mind. It really, really is. And I don't have any better advice than anybody has. I believe that inside of us, inside of us, we all have the answer. It's it's like, sometimes it's like so deep in, all we have to do is like study a little more, maybe get the right people to talk to, hear the right classes, but it's going back to the source of who we really are. And we know when something's right and we know when something's wrong. I mean, I could be many times in a space that I'm like, like, I know it's not the right space, but I'm just lazy to get out of it because it takes so much work. Okay. So I think knowing that we all have the answers inside of us, right, is something that empowers us. So when you say like, if I'm not thinking that I'm, able to make those baby steps, or if I'm really advancing, we reframe our mind, hard work, and we get back on track. We will fall off track because I always do, but we need to get back on track and to know that we have to see the end goal. Where do we want to go? Which animal is the best hunter? I don't know. The leopard, because it knows where its prey is going to go. And that's where it targets. It sees the future. We have to see that. Where do we want to end up? Where is our goal? That it's very important to do that. It's not like, okay, yeah, today is today. But in the bigger picture, right? What do we want to look like? As time goes on, what do we want a family to look like? And to make those goals. And when we set those goals, then we will be able to take the steps, big steps, small steps, whatever you want to call them, to get to them. Okay. But those goals are very, very important. So, do I want to be a happy person? That's the first thing. What's my goal? Do I want to be a happy person? What does it mean to be 
an accomplished person. Maybe the word accomplishment, the way I'm defining it, is really not what it needs to be. So maybe I really need to define some things. Mm. But it takes looking ahead. What do we want in life? What are our goals? And if we have a goal, we will figure out how to navigate it. And if we can't do it on our own, then there's plenty of people out there, wise people, to help us get there. Nice. We're strong. Yeah. We're capable. Yeah. Hashem didn't create junk. Nice. I like that. Should I conclude with one story? Yes, go for it. Okay. Rabbi Garari was once traveling. The story goes back many years ago. And there is a rule that when someone travels and sets out, he does not go back into his home until he uh, actually finishes his travels. This is something that we keep. So Rabbi Garari left his home and was going to fly somewhere. And it seems that the plane was canceled or very much delayed. And he wanted to go back into his house. Okay. He had to leave the airport, but he couldn't go back into the house because we don't go back into the house until we finish the travels. Mm. And it seems like in those days, it was much easier to pick up the public phones and call 770, which he did. And the secretary, the masker answered. And it seems like he was able to ask the rabbit directly through one of the skiers. What should I do now? Because the plane is not going, but I can't go back into the house. And he was told to learn a parakhtanya. The Rebbe told him to learn a parakhtanya. Tanya, learning a parakhtanya would make him into a different person. So it's not the same Rabbi Garari going back into the house. After he learned the parakhtanya, Wow. He would be allowed to go back into his house because it's not the same person that left originally. Think about it. Think about how powerful that is. We're studying Tanya. Could you imagine if we really, really felt that we had the toolbox after we studied a parak Tanya to be a different person, to be a person who we want to be? Powerful. It is. Wow. Learn a parak of Tanya and you will not be the same. And then you can go back in the house. Yeah. Nice. You're going to grow. If you're going to, if we're going to learn the Tanya, right, we're going to grow. Beautiful. That's a nice way to end off. I like that. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming and thanks for opening up your heart. Thank you. I always think about how the chapters in Tanya mirror the journeys of life and how we revisit each chapter, year by year, changed both by life and by our study. To listen to someone who is so openly human, who is also weaving her study of the Tanya into her daily choices, is a profound reminder to me of what that journey looks like. Gentle, human, humble, ever-learning, When you feel alone on the road, when you face a forest and wonder how you will find a clearing, when you wrestle with small challenges throughout your day and wonder why it seems to be easier for others, bring yourself back to this. What is my starting point? Only I and God truly know where I begin. 
I don't have to compare myself to others to know whether or not I am succeeding internally. And then, once I acknowledge my starting point, can I incorporate one more concept into my internal conversation? Can I go a little deeper? Can I welcome my body into my soul's classroom? Measure your success by your willingness to learn, by the way you show up every day and try again. This life is a process of internalizing the truth of our experience, internalizing the truth of God's presence in this world, internalizing the truth of a deeper reality. Gently, humbly, ever learning. Elokai zakinina betoratcha uvimitzotecha mechaberet nishmati tamidinecha mechaber mechaber. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at humanandholy or via email at humanandholy at gmail dot com. New episodes of the podcast come out every single Sunday morning. If you don't want to miss a single episode, then hit the subscribe button. If you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review, it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have a wonderful day. <laughs>